This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name is Chris Miller. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. My name is Matty Robson, and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. Hey, there we go, back into the swing of things, nice and easy, after a little bit of a break. I mean, um, what I was doing just before this, I've just been watching the Ballon d'Or live coverage of the entrances ceremony, and okay. I was just wondering if you lads know who's on the list, and if you've got your sort of like top pick for the Ballon d'Or this year. For the Ballon uh, d'Or? Yeah, the Ballon d'Or. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the list. Uh, the the favourite is the person that is my favourite. It's uh, Benzema at the moment. Benzema is the favourite to pick up the prize this evening. Liam, you're shaking your head, so I think uh, <laughs> I'll go to you first because you seem like you've got an opinion ready on this. There's one person that's been massively overlooked for all of it. He's not even on the list. What John Mellish has done at Carlisle <laughs> for years now, I think he should be in the running. But yeah, probably Benzema, to be honest. But like, John Mellish, get him on there. Or Owen Mock's on for next year, but he's only just started picking it up now. Yeah. Get John Mellish there. I mean, I mean, I mean, as a Carlisle fan, I don't really want to argue with you, so I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't suppose you've had a chance to have a little look at the list there and pick your favourite. I don't know who's on the short list, but I'd imagine that Haaland, but is is the Ballon d'Or for like the whole of the year? I think he was scoring goals before he went, so like he's had a good year, even if it's like it's ending really well for him. Um, I think it's between Salah and Benzema that are the two favourites. Uh, I mean, as you as you both well know, I am Kylian Mbappe's agent. <laughs> and I've been I've been making calls all week to make sure you know. Try. <laughs> well, that's it. When we don't know where Mbappe is going to go, but Will's got the inside track. One day you'll reveal all. Can't tell you. you. Can't tell you. That's fine day... confidentiality. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll never know that. We'll never know that. But uh, I'll tell you what we will know. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to kick things off. That's what I know. We'll kick things off. That's what I'll do. Right here we go, boys. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Maras, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. Sorry for having a bit of a hiatus, but don't worry about it. This is episode eighty-six, and I am absolutely buzzing to be joined by the two men I call the Cumbrian Brain Trust. That's of course. 
Wills and Liam Denwood of Blue Army TV. How we doing, boys? Good. Fine. Good. Yep. Good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been going well, hasn't pretty it? Good. To be honest, maybe we might take a break again. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well. Yeah, so we missed um, we missed like the nil nil draw with Crew. We haven't had a chance to talk about that. We haven't had a chance to talk about the uh, the impressive three one victory over Hartlepool. And since that Crew result is so far and long gone in the memory, after I mean scoring six goals in the last two, let's maybe focus in on that Hartlepool result. Um, yeah, three one coming from one nil down away from home. I mean unbeaten in in nine now. We'll go on to talk about the incredible form that we're going through at the moment. I mean, to beat your rivals like that, with all the controversy that was apparently in the stands, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit if you've got opinions on maybe what was going on there um, in the stands and what was true and what was not and the accusations maybe uh, that were floating around. But on the pitch... You know, lads, to come from 1-0 down, to turn everything around in the second half for uh, Patrick Omari to come off the bench and score those vital goals that he really needed to get sort of started. Unfortunately, the injury news that we'll move on to in just a little bit. I mean, Wills, what an important result for us in terms of league standing, in terms of, you know, just where we were maybe three or four weeks ago. Yeah, you know, we've just been waiting to kind of put together a little run of results because it's been lots of draws and then, you know, we've always kind of had this thing that we've only had the one defeat and, you know, we've we'd, we'd kind of got wins here and there, but we'd just kind of been waiting to, you know, to get maybe kind of like a good little run going before we could say, okay, we've made a, a really good start to the season now. Because like, not that long ago, after the crew game, it felt that we could potentially still fall away to, you know, to mid-table, just haven't quite picked up enough wins to really start to feel kind of proper positive about the season. And Hartlepool obviously being a very difficult fixture, not really doing much to impress against Crew Alexander. Liam, I mean, what does that victory against Hartlepool, what did that mean for you on the day, the victory over the rivals, and then maybe touch on uh, the sort of social media side of things that we saw in the stands as well. We'll go on to talk about that. Yep. Um, look, I was sitting behind the goal in that game. And all all of the both teams were all at that end. So, you know, to welcome change from what usually happens where you're sitting behind the opposite goal and you see absolutely sod all. But I remember sitting at halftime so, so down. You know, the Hartlepool fans, they've got a good home following Hartlepool. And the Carlisle fans were loud, but you can only be so good 1-0 down at halftime. And it never felt like we were out, out of the game because we were by far the better team in the first half. And it was just, we, we came out in that second half a completely different team. And even though we were good in the first half, we were even better in the second. And look, I think the goal they scored was, their, like I think, their first shot. And then it came from a free kick that really shouldn't have happened. Remembering it correctly, but we were just so much better than them. And when you look back in last season, uh, we played Hartlepool, Luke Molyneux scores that brilliant goal. They beat us 3-0 and you're just down. But this this season, it seems like the roles have really like switched because they're down at the bottom now. We're fighting towards the top and we went there and absolutely hammered them. And it's about time we beat a team like that. 
you really can start seeing those changes between the way we were playing this season against certain teams and the way that it looks like we're getting the rub of the green now and the way that other teams are playing against us. You know, we we, we do look like a decent side. We look like we have a game plan. We look like we have a way of playing football. Now, obviously, Liam, you've just said there that you were in the stands behind the goals. There's pictures on social media of sort of chairs being torn out or melted. Or I mean, there was there was canopies over them. I've heard different stories on the matter. I don't know if you've maybe got more of like a first-hand view of the whole thing, but we were accused of vandalism, apparently, according to the Hartlepool sort of uh, Twitter account, something along those lines. And uh, there was a couple of pictures of some chairs that were uh, maybe ruined. And um, I mean, there's, it's been said that basically they were already ruined before Carlisle fans got there. Now, is there any way you can clear anything up that, from what you saw personally? From what I saw, I didn't see anything like that. Them, that whole section of seats that were apparently damaged were like covered and like there was no one on them. So I'm not really sure. I think the story is Hartlepool this season have had a reduced capacity in the way end because those seats are already damaged. Now, I think what's maybe happened is that maybe a little bit after the match, because nothing happened during the match. There was a few flares, but there was nothing really too bad. There was no wrecking the seats and that, and on, and on the seat as well. You think of the seats at Brunton Park in the Pioneer End, the good, solid, metaplastic sort of things. These seats at Hartlepool, it, you got the impression that if you jump up, because they're very compact together as well, they're the flimsiest, cheapest bits of plastic you'll ever see in your life. Like, you put your hand on them, you can, like, bend them, like, like you know, you know when you, you've got, like, a really thin bit of metal and you sit and, like, twist it and that. And it, it's like that, but they're just cheap plastic. And I think what's maybe happened is these seats have already been damaged in front of the pl- in front of some of the supporters and they've just maybe made it worse, but I don't think it was anything particularly too bad you know it was definitely one of the tamer you know sort of exchanges between the two fans because there's been real trouble at those games in the past and you know when you say these seats were already damaged they were already damaged by Carlisle last year so there is still some there was just I, I really don't get the sort of uproar because it was nothing like what people have been online there was I didn't say anything anyways there was I there's no real damage from what I saw. At the end of the day, it's a fantastic result. And what you really can come out of it is the fact that I mean, Moxon's scoring. We're going to go on to the fact that Guy's scoring. But when we <laughs> play against the midfield that has only got sort of like two people in the centre of the midfield, it's really difficult for them to, to really cover us at the moment. You know, all three of our midfielders firing on all cylinders. It's all great stuff, guys. And the, before we dive into the news and the nooks and the crunnies of the whole episode, it's of course time for the bit of tradition that we have around here on the Blue Army podcast. Yeah, you might have thought I forgot about it. You might have thought I was out of my old routine, but don't worry, I haven't forgotten. It's time for the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the it's Blue, the Army, Blue podcast. Army podcast joke of the week. Right, lads, I don't like this one, but we're going to go with it anyway. It's always a good start, isn't it? I just have to, you know, I just have to find one. I just have to find one. But that might make you like it more, you know, if you sell for a crap joke, you know what you're in for. Right. What do you call cattle with a sense of humour? Don't know. 
laughing stock. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. we, you know. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> barely. It's yeah, barely, one I've heard of. <laughs> is that one you've heard of? Is that what you like? A joke that you've heard of? Yeah. <laughs> give, us, give us some of the old favourites. <laughs> I might just have to go through some old ones. Yeah, I might just have to do some classics eventually. I'm struggling. The road. <laughs> oh, go on then. <laughs> you get to the other side. Of course. <laughs> well, that was well. At least you're getting involved now. Anyway, you can come up with a joke of the week next week. That'll be good. We'll pass the torch around. But anyway, 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 we'll dive into sort of the injury news. Obviously, we just spoke there about the Hartlepool game, Patrick Omari coming away with his two goals. But unfortunately, he came on as a second half sub. He came off as a second half sub. He's gone down with a repeat of the hamstring injury that was being affecting him previously. He was out for the Doncaster game and he's actually going to be out for between eight and ten weeks with that hamstring strain. There's been other players in the Carlisle United squad suffering with hamstring twinges here and there. Finn Back and Christian Dennis both going down with very similar strains that kept them out of the game against Doncaster. Uh, they're both touch and go for the game against Lent Norian. Apparently Finn Back is looking more likely than Dennis, but both players are touch and go. Both players might feature against Lentorians. Like I've just said for about the fourth time, it's touch and go. I don't know what's wrong with me when I get onto a phrase. It's touch and go, Liam. It is a bit touch and go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's something that isn't so touch and go is the fact that Corey Whelan is fine. He took a bit of an ankle knock. Um, I mean, there is a lot of competition in that position in the squad, and I'm going to pass over to Liam Denver, who did touch on it on the Blue Army to TV, YouTube channel that he has. Um, yeah, we spoke about, you spoke about the strength in numbers that we have in that centre-back position. And maybe, you know, just a little knock like this is enough to make, maybe let Corey Whelan have a break and bring in someone like Morgan Feeney. But yeah, tell us your views on the strength of that back line. Yeah, I think it's probably fair enough. Corey Whelan's come in and been absolutely brilliant. He's been man of the match in a couple of the games he's been involved in. But I just think we've got so much centre-back depth this season like like I've never seen before. I, I genuinely think we've got three centre-back like trios. No, sorry. Two centre-back trios that are genuinely capable of like being a top-half league two defence. Probably first choice when everyone's fit is Morgan Feeney, Paul Huntington, John Mellish, who have all proved themselves to be absolutely brilliant this season. And then just behind them, you've got a second choice of Corey Whelan um, Jack Ellis and Ben Barkley so you know they're both really capable back threes in there as well you know so you've got seven really capable centre backs um, but I, I just think if we're going to have injuries I'd rather it was at the back and it's got, I've got nothing against our defenders I'm not wishing them injured but you know in, compared to some of the depth we've got in other areas of the pitch like you look at striker at the minute I know Jack Stretton will probably get on to speaking about how good he's been, but he really probably wouldn't have been starting them games or been anywhere near those games if we had Dennis, Patrick, Edmondson all fully fit. But yeah, it's just such a brilliant defence we've got at the minute. And I think the thing is with Corey Whelan, he's a brilliant player, but he's keeping probably an even better player out of the team because Morgan Feeney over the last couple of seasons has been probably my pick as best player 
you know, most consistent player we've got. So I think it, it probably is fair. Give Corey Whelan the break. Whack Morgan Feeney in there for a bit. And then wait for one of the others to get injured or get suspended or something like that and then bring someone else in. I think that's what Paul Simpson's going to do. He's going to have his players happy, rotate them quite consistently. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You said there about Ben Barkley, he is back from injury now. He's been given the uh, the full bill of health. And somebody else that's also been given the full bill of health is Toby Show-Silver, who I believe was on the bench for the Doncaster game. More long-term injuries apply to Joel Senior and Josh Dixon. They're looking at between three and six weeks, respectively, before they rejoin first team training properly. Uh, Jamie Devitt is still out for an estimated four to three months and Brennan Dickinson another six to seven months. I believe that's all the injury news covered. I mean, it's still a massive list, but it's nice to see some players returning back from injury. Um, Wills, obviously when we've got that many injuries and people are coming in and out of the squad, it's very important to keep fitness and all that kind of stuff. Did you, um, did you ever worry about Ryan Edmondson being rushed back into the first team after the injury to Christian Dennis, and how do you think that he's been doing? Um, no, I don't think I really worried about him because, you know, like I think he should be able to just come back when he's fit. Um, and with the injuries that we've got up front, you kind of can't afford to necessarily ease players back in like we've been doing with Morgan Feeney, where he's come back, but he's on the bench. Um, up front, if someone's fit, then they're probably going to start. Um, so, were you asking how he did when I saw him against Doncaster? Yeah, how do you feel like he got on? Yeah, um, he, he he did all right. He um, didn't really kind of have any big moments. I mean, his biggest moment was the penalty, and it was a quite a poor penalty, which is a shame because we've seen Jack Stratton get a couple of goals and you know get his kind of you know get his goal tally up and running. Um, it would have been nice to see Edmondson get his up and running as well, because you know, just sometimes, you know, if a player breaks that duck, then they can maybe go on a run. And he did look quite disappointed at, you know, with with the penalty miss, but it was a poor penalty and not the sort of thing that you should be taking at like uh so like you know, it's injury time with three nil up. It's not a crucial penalty. So you know, surely you've got license to just run up and blast it. It was a big disappointment at the end of the day, the penalty missed. It would have meant a lot to his confidence to get back on the score sheet, returning yeah. from injury. It looked like he was really onto something before he got injured. Liam, we've just spoken there about how strong the back line is with those the long-term injury to Patrick and um, obviously Dennis maybe being a, a, just a big you know, touch and go for the <laughs> for the game against Lake Norian. But the um, who would you say and who would you go with for that game against Lake Norian now with those injuries? Well, you've got to start straighten, haven't you? I think you can't really drop him after that and you don't have the players to drop him for. Uh, probably him up top. And it's between Dennis and Edmondson, but I think if Dennis, it really depends on how well Dennis feels he is. I'd probably keep Edmondson in there because I think he didn't play badly against Doncaster. I think he, he took that penalty. It was a god-awful penalty, I'll, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. But 
he worked hard up top. And something I noticed that Dennis definitely doesn't do. He won a lot of aerial duels up top, and it really helped us keep the ball forward for Stretton and for the midfielders running forward, like Callum Guy, who went on to score. Um, begrudgingly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think Ryan Edmondson, he's not done enough to get dropped. Uh, he's missed a penalty when we're 3-0 up in the 90-odd minutes. You know, he's, he was definitely shattered. I think if we had a decent, fully fit striker on the bench, he'd have been taken off a little bit sooner because he looked tired. You could see that he looked a bit tired towards the end. And I have no idea why Taylor Charters didn't take that penalty at the end because Callum Guy, you could see him, he, he grabbed under the ball and he pointed towards Taylor and he was like, take the pen. And I think they then decided Edmondson should take it. Uh, and look, Taylor, whatever you think of him as a player, he scores some very important penalties. I think the last three penalty shootouts Carlisle have been in, he scored the winner in all three. Mm. So why he didn't take it, I'll, I'll, I'll never know. I think it was more a thing of, Ryan Edmondson, we've got this striker here for two years. He's a young guy. We need to try and get him off the mark in the league. But, uh, yeah, he's not done enough to get dropped. I'd probably just keep him on if Dennis isn't 100%. I mean, I think you have to. I think you really have to go with Edmondson and just sort of see how Dennis is doing. If you if you need to risk him, then you, then you might risk him if you need a goal in the last sort of 20 minutes of the game against St. Norian. But if you don't have to, then there's no need to go for it. When you still have options like Hilton and, and players like that that you can bring off the bench as like attacking options to extend the midfield or maybe just sitting behind a striker. But there we go. Lone watch, gentlemen, and I'll be very honest, it's, it's getting more difficult to do my research and I just feel like the News and Star, thankfully, have done a lone watch article, uh, but I can only find last week. So I do believe Sam Fishburne is having a bit of a topsy-turvy time. Uh, he wasn't on the field to play against his old side, Lancaster, and didn't get a goal, obviously, as a result of that, but the following week did play and scored a bit of a worldie. Um, I don't know if you've seen the goal. It uh, it sort of comes in deep from the midfield over his right shoulder and he hits it on a on a half volley or a volley, I believe, and it just goes in the opposite corner. It's a very, very nice goal. It's good to see Sam Fishburne back amongst the goals. And, uh, I mean, that's what you have to do if you're a young striker, especially when you're getting sent down to that level. You have to just instantly hit the ground running and prove that you can you can cut it at that level. Um in other loan updatey news, the teenage goalkeeper Lewis Boyd is having a little bit more luck in terms of playing time uh, at Carlisle City. He did play, but unfortunately conceded four goals as Carlisle City lost, uh, well, by four goals to two against the side called Newcastle Benfield. Um, so, they're, they're a bit precarious in the league as well at the moment. Another goalkeeper on loan news, Gabriel Breeze, isn't getting off the bench for Windes, unfortunately. And they did win and their goalkeeper kept a clean sheet in that Northern Premier League West uh, clash. But doesn't tell me who their opponents were, I'm afraid. Max Gillespie... Was a part, wasn't a part, no. Max Gillespie wasn't a part of the Annan Athletic squad that drew two all with Steinhouse Moore. Uh, I don't really have much information on why he would be out the squad. He's been doing quite well for Annan. Uh, Lewis Bell got another start for Gretna 2008, but unfortunately that side lost uh, to East Stirling Shire. I mean, 
The lads are out on loan. It's just a mixed bag at the moment. We talk about the loans most weeks. And to be honest, I've been trying to cut the podcast down a little bit. So we'll move on uh, from loan news. There isn't really much of an update apart from the fact that uh, Sam Fishburne is doing quite well in Carlisle United related news. And uh, it's a bit of a brag, to be honest. Four of Carlisle United's players have been nominated. Well, not just nominated, but are a part of the uh, the League 2 sort of official team of the week. So congratulations to Jack Stretton, John Mellish, Callum Guy and Jordan Gibson, who all made it into the League 2 team of the week. I thought Hoyley did quite well, but when I looked at the stats, there was only one shot on target. So you can't blame uh, the Grimsby goalkeeper for getting in there. Uh, I think he saved like six or seven shots during his game. Also, former Carlisle United uh, lone defender, Simeu is a part of the team of the week. I mean, Wills, can you remember the sort of the last time we were winning on such a great form? The last time we went on such a great form was 10 years ago, but the sort of last time we were uh, playing this well. And is there anything in the team, yeah, in the probably. style that we're playing at the moment, that is, is is really impressing you right now, you know, with the wing play, the midfield creativity, the solidness of the defence. Is there anything that you have uh, zoned in on as something that's impressing you as a part of Paul Simpson's squad right now? Yeah, I think the fact that we, we create so many chances from such kind of like little possession. So, you know, I mean, like I think... Um, Doncaster had 60% possession, but we had like 20 shots on goal and I think they had like about four. So like, you know, we're obviously doing something really good off the ball to let the opponents have the ball that much, but they can't, but they don't do very much with it. Um, Whereas when we get the ball, you know, if you were to kind of like work out shots on like shots per minute of possession, you know, like people say, like, how many shots have you got every, you know, per match or something like that? But say you were doing that per, like, minute of possession and say, like, oh, well, we've only actually been in possession of the ball for about 30 minutes during that match, maybe. Then, um, you know, then we've probably got to rank up there as as, as kind of one of the most so effective attacking teams in the division. Um there were question marks of a kind of like how wasteful we were, but sort of like three goals sort of a piece in the last two games. Hopefully we kind of put that to bed a bit. Um, Jack Stratton coming on well and being an option to score goals for us. Um, Amari Patrick had his little cameo and got two and went away. Um, hopefully he'll be back and scoring again soon. Um, I know Liam's been talking about kind of when Toby Shaw Silver comes back and how he thinks he'll play. So, um, you know, if we are starting to kind of get goals with the chances we get, then, you know, I think that's kind of a really good sign. Yeah, I mean, is there anything for you, Liam, that you've picked up on in the way that Carlisle United are playing right now that's really impressing you? Maybe a duo or a certain uh, combination of players in the, in the squad? I just like our midfield a lot. You know, I, I think they're the big sort of foundation of everything. Obviously, I've, talk, I've talked about the defence, but I think that midfield three, it reminds me a lot of like when Mellish, Riley and Guy were like on top form under Chris Beach. Yeah. 
you know, and they're helping us keep a lot more of the possession in them than what we usually sort of used to under Chris Beach. Uh, you know, you've got, it's a perfectly balanced midfield, which I absolutely love. You've got the defensive midfielder in Callum Guy, the box-to-box in Owen Moxon, and the attacking midfielder in Jordan Gibson or Sonny Hilton, wherever you want to play there, Jamie Devitt sometimes when he's fit. But I think the midfield, that midfield free as a trio, probably one of the best in the league. And I think they're sort of the unsung hero in this sort of season because there's a lot of noise about, obviously, Christian Dennis up top, and he has been good. But he wouldn't be getting the chances he's getting without Owen Moxon, Callum Guy, Jordan Gibson. Jordan Gibson's now ranked top of the League 2 assists chart with Owen Moxon in second. So it's that midfield three for me that like has really impressed us. I think it's a really difficult midfield now to 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 cover, you know, especially like I mentioned earlier, when you're playing against a, a midfield two and we've got the three of them, the way they can split and uh, they're just difficult to cover, you know. We, we don't lend ourselves to a midfield that you can double up on per man because as you could see in Carlisle's first goal, you know, when you doubled up on, on Moxon, you leave too much room for Callum Guy and, I mean, he's in shooting form this season, thankfully, and we'll go on to talk about <laughs> the match. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on to talk about the match report and um yeah before we before we really dive into the match report and looking at the highlights it's time to go through the Carlisle United starting lineup for their free nil victory against Doncaster in goals was Hoyley uh the back line of Ellis Whelan Huntington Mellish and Armour with a midfield free of Gibson Guy and Moxon with this front pairing of Edmondson and Stretton. Lads, it was most definitely the strongest team you could have played on the day due to injuries. Paul Simpson is really putting together a very strong squad. He's sticking with this formation, no matter all these injuries. He's made his decision. He's made the the you know the call on the system that he's going to be playing for the foreseeable future. And it's working, isn't it, lads? It's working. And all these players can slot into positions. You can see that when players are coming off the bench. You can see that um, when players are stepping into roles and starting games. And there's nothing more evident than the way that young Ellis played in this game. Will, you would have had quite a good look at Ellis in the first half, I believe. He would have been uh, up and down that line that you like we to start. Got, Yeah, I was going to say other side because we um, we were kicking, to, shooting towards the Warwick in the first half. It would have been on your side of the pitch at least. You might have seen Oh, him you're thinking of him, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, the up and downy side of it. So you might yeah. have been able to say it's sort of like right wing back play. Did he do anything to impress you? Did you feel like he just he just suits that role quite naturally, doesn't he, for such a young man? He's quite mature. Yeah, I thought he had a really solid game and he did his defensive duties well, which is something that I saw more of in the second half when we were defending. But um, it was... Kind of, it was it was one of the players that I was kind of like trying to pick between for my man of the match. Um, didn't quite get the pick. Uh, obviously, I'll save that till when you come till when you come for me. But he was kind of like he was one of the standout players for us on the day, I think. And you know, with the injuries that we've had to right back, it's good that so far this season, almost every time we've we have lost a player through injury, someone's come in and done well. And, um, you know, whether it's Corey Whelan 
or Jack Stratton after a little bit. Um, but, you know, in, in this case, uh, Jack Ellis has come in and done really well there. Yeah, I was quite impressed by Jack Ellis. Something else that quite impressed me was the uh, the away supporting travel. Uh, Liam, you sit in the Pioneer stand, don't you, mate? Yeah. Yeah, right so you're quite close to the away travel now. I mean, you can you can you can hear or you can feel uh, the difference in away support, and they were quite fun, weren't they? They were in good. They were in a good mood considering the uh, they were three 0 losers in the end. Yeah, they brought a lot up. I think it was four hundred or something like that. Uh, they they enjoyed themselves towards the end of the game where they started singing for their manager out. Uh, they got their wish because he's been sacked this morning. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know they, they got the they got what they wanted in the end. But yeah, it was it's a decent away support for them. I thought and and you know especially considering some of the ones you think of away support in even the league above, you know Forest Green. Clubs like that, you know, that they're a good away support, Doncaster. They've got a good support, and there was a lot of them. And they didn't seem like a nasty group of fans, if you get what I mean. They weren't like hostile towards the Carlisle fans, if you get what I mean. They were more there to support their own team, less than you know, slate hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it felt. Yeah, that's honestly how it felt. It felt like they were more sort of wrapped up in their own stuff, and uh, we were just sort of like a. Well, the the game obviously was what the game was, and that you would quite expect the group of supporters to become more agitated. And if anything, they just focused in on on their own team and not on us. And and and, and you know, it it, it showed it, they showed themselves in a great light. I thought I thought you know as as far as away supporters go, they were they were they were good fun. They were good fun. Anyway, as far as the match highlights go, in the first half there was an opportunity for Doncaster, and there was a fantastic save from Thomas Hoyley. The ball was brought in from the right hand side into around the penalty area. Hoyley just reaching with those long limbs, and it was a very, very impressive save. Somebody who I had a couple of questions about in the early stages of his Carlisle United career in terms of his distribution, sometimes the way he would come off his line. He seems to have ironed out those problems from his games and he doesn't seem to have made a mistake in a while. Wills, do you think Hoyley is just confident now and he's really quite established himself as Carlisle United's number one and he feels it as well? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely a confident keeper. Um, if you saw him as well at the end of the match, he's kind of like jumping up and kind of like dancing in front of the fans and stuff. So he likes he, he likes the attention on him, and he'll have enjoyed making that save. Um, he didn't he didn't have a lot to do, and we've kind of restricted teams, um, you know to. It's a fairly few chances recently, which makes it harder to assess Holy because he quite often doesn't have much to do. But when he has had something to do, um, certainly kind of the last four or five games, is is coming and done. He's coming and kind of like done what's needed of him. Um, he does get out and command his box a bit. You know, he's kind of not quite a sweeper keeper. I don't know if you. Uh, Remember how far the Doncaster goalie was standing off his line. I was begging for someone to chip. Oh, it was him. mad, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you know, Holy likes to come out and use his feet. And you know, despite what you know, despite everything that we heard about him being so tall when we signed him, he, do, he is able to get down and block the, you know, block the low shots close to him. Often, you know, often he's able to get his foot in there, which I guess is kind of like he's had to become good with his feet. 
because you know because he's had to cover that area that he is too tall to reach with his hands. So he's kind of become a good kind of footballing goalkeeper all round. I think he's yeah. done well, done well, sort of like especially the last three or four games, done really well. Yeah, it feels like he's really sort of coming into his own form at the moment. And um, somebody else that seems to be coming into a bit of form at the moment is the goal scorer that opened the scoring on the day, Mr. Callum Guy. I'll talk you through the goal <laughs> first. It was a long Callum ball. super goal I'm guy. I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> he only scores worldies, mate. He only scores worldies. There's a big, long clearance from the defence down the left-hand side. Ryan Edmondson did really, really well to gather, take it past his man and find Mox just outside the area who was doubled up on by the Doncaster midfield pairing which allowed Callum Guy enough room once laid off to take a touch and hit it with his right foot and it went sweeping in to the bottom left corner poetry in motion you could call it after the ball wrapped its way around the nets and Callum Guy not only doubled his tally for the season but his Carlisle United career I really enjoyed that moment on the day and I'm really enjoying this moment right now as I'm going to talk to Liam Denwood about how he felt when Callum Guy doubled his tally for the season yeah, I was chuffed. I'm not even going to lie. I'm just glad we scored. I, 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 and it was one of those ones where I hadn't really figured, realized who had scored till about five seconds later. And then I thought, oh, God. And, I, and I, I, I went on my phone and I, I just sent Liam a message saying, FFS, you know, like, Jesus. <laughs> Will sent me a message as well, didn't you? <laughs> it was like, it was like the little ginger man emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is it's it's such a good goal as well I think that's a goal every 51 games for him now you know he's, he's really getting into goal scoring form I think on that record I still haven't got much to worry about with him getting double um, double figures this season but when you look at his goal scoring form just this season isolated I, I might be in a little bit of trouble um, but <laughs> but, but I'll, I'm, I'll still stick with it. I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll get ten. He, he might get up to five come the end of the season. He, he's come. He's come good. Uh, I say he's come good. He's always been a good player, but both his goals have been really good, ones and they've both been pretty much identical as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind yeah. of the same. It's, it's, it's the same thing as Owen Moxon. He's kind of he's got a way to score. <laughs> no, yeah, and he just does it like Owen Moxon's goals were identical almost. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's got that technique and he's got that confidence when he's in that area of the pitch, he's going to let that shot go. And yeah. um, I mean, right now he's cashing those checks and they're fantastic. Somebody that got to finally open their tally for Carla United was Jack Stretton with the next goal that was a bit mysterious. First of all, what the hell was John Mellish doing there? I'm not quite sure, but he's the first man down the left hand side of the pitch, cuts into the box and absolutely smashes a shot in with his left foot. The goalkeeper parries into the path of Gibson, who then it gets deflected by a defender, falls back into Gibson, who hits Stretton on the knees and the ball nestles its way into the back of the net. Wills, I imagine your view of the situation on the day wasn't exactly the best all the way there. No, I didn't the know Warwick, what happened. But I don't know. Could you tell that? Was, was, I mean, does either of you know, was Gibson's shot maybe going wide? 
No, I've seen, I mean, I've looked at the highlights and it was going in and the look on Gibson's face as well. Is sli- slightly His family bit- were there, I think. Yeah. That's why as well, because after the game, I've seen him. Like, yeah, yeah, slightly bemused, I think, is the <laughs> correct term, because you can't be too disappointed, um, you know, it's a goal for us. But you can see him kind of thinking, that was my goal. <laughs> Callum Guy was really nice the way that he came over to console him there. Obviously, safe in the knowledge that he already yeah. had a goal on the day. <laughs> you like bringing that up, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the situation lends itself. You may as well remind people. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's really good stuff for him to open up his, cat, his, uh, his sort of like tally for the season. And his next goal was definitely um, just, just, just the, the goal we were waiting for, really, as far as him opening his account. There was a nice uh, through ball from Gibson, two assists from him technically on the day. And uh, I mean, Stretton just showed a nice bit of class, one, two touch and that sort of Classic striker's finish where you chip it over the keeper's leg. I mean, it's just a nice finish. Liam, you would have had a really nice view of it in the Pioneer stand when he sort of the ball threw from Gibson. How good was the ball through from Gibson in terms of creativity, waiting for the moment to pick the pass, to beat the offside trap, and then obviously the way that Stretton took his opportunity? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was a proper striker's finish. I had such a good view of it as well because I'm sort of, right in the middle of the pioneer stand in both senses like i'm right on the middle of the pitch and i'm like halfway up as well so i, I had such a good view of that it was like watching it i got a, people who watched the highlights did it was such a good goal it looked like a proper premier league strikers goal if you get what i mean where he goes through and he just effortlessly gets it past the keeper goal it looks so smooth you know it's not a league two goal that like bundles in off someone's knee that you get a lot of like for example is his first goal of the day which by the way for that first goal he was definitely trying to get out the road that shot i think he was trying <laughs> i think he was trying to let the ball go into like it's very niche reference but the 2005 champions league final where smisa hits it from the edge of the box and you see the highlight and there's people in the box trying like looking out the road of it as it goes past them. I think that's what he was trying to do. But it's just <laughs> smacked him off the, in, off the knee and gone in. But the second goal was fantastic. And I think, you know, it's it's completely made by the through ball <laughs> from Jordan Gibson. It's his goal as much as Stretton's. Uh, you know, <laughs> to be fair, in both of the goals, the assist has been the goal itself. Um, but yeah, brilliant goal. And it was just such a nice way to wrap up a win. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been coming for a little bit of a while. He's had his opportunities and, uh, I mean, he's finally starting to take them. We need a striker in form at the moment with our two sort of typical strikers that we would expect to be our goal scorers, both potentially being out injured for the next game. It's nice to see Stretton stepping up, obviously being a part of the team of the week, but will he be your Foxy's feature man of the match. It's time to nominate, gentlemen, your Foxy's feature man of the match. And Liam, since you haven't already let it out the bag this episode, you must be absolutely (laughs) frothing at the mouth to tell us who your man of the match is this week. So go ahead, sir. Who are you nominating? I've done it on purpose as well. I haven't mentioned him since the very, very start of the podcast. It's not somebody who scored. It's John Mellish, because it, from from one 
for like five minutes of play. And there's a, there's a chance for Doncaster to make it 2-1. We're 2-0 up, obviously. And it looks like it's going to go in. It's one of those ones where I've already accepted that it's 2-1. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be nervy this last half an hour. I think it's in the 60th minute, something like that. John Mellish puts a tackle in out of nowhere and, and he keeps it at 2-0. And I think that's an absolutely brilliant tackle. And I think he's just saved us going, you know, uh, going, uh, you know, conceding a goal there. And then about yeah. a couple of minutes later, that goal for Stretton to make it 3-0 was by a John Mellish tackle in the midfield. And I thought, purely through John Mellish's good tackling, instead of being 2-1 up, we're 3-0 up, which is a massive difference. And I thought, you've absolutely changed the game there. And I thought, just for that that five minutes where he was brilliant, he, he was brilliant all game, but them two tackles in particular are what come to mind. I think he really helped us today. And I think... John Mellish, I think, he's just developed so much since he first came in. Yeah, I think with how good the midfield like and the defenders have been, it's kind of let him do. Do you know, like you were talking about John Mellish in a free role at the start yeah. of the season, where like we, where like we have a, a nine players in a formation, and then just John Mellish wherever, <laughs> and he does that, like pops up on the right wing quite a lot, and. <laughs> But um, yeah, definitely because like the other players don't need, you know, like the uh, other defenders don't necessarily need that third defender in John Mellish to be with them all the time. Then he's kind of is he, is able to get forward and get about and not worry about what will happen if if they attack while he's out of position because the likes of Jack Armour and Paul Huntington have just been able to step across and operate as a back four when he's, you know, when he's roving around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, does, does that affect who you're going to nominate for your Foxes feature man of the match, Wills? No, I already decided who mine was. So, like, I was... I was umming and ahhing over a few. Um, I've already mentioned that Jack Ellis was one, and there was a point where I thought I'm going to give Jack Ellis man of the match. Um, I was debating giving Jordan Gibson man of the match because he got two assists and his creativity going forward was essential for us. Um, Jack Stretton was a shout because he can't really ignore two goals. And that Owen Moxon had another kind of great game in midfield. But my man of the match is Callum Guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any re- any particular reason why? Just the goal or his performance? Uh, not just in general, the goal, yeah. passing his, ability. His performance in general, I think the midfield were excellent, um, as we've mentioned before, and has have been for a few games. And you know, a different in, in different games, different ones of them kind of like step forward and and be the best player of our three-man midfield. And sometimes it's Gibson, sometimes it's Moxon, sometimes it's Guy. On this occasion, it was Guy. Um, but that's for kind of that's for being in a good midfield and being the outstanding player in the mid in that midfield on the day, and also getting himself a goal. 
Yeah, it was a really good midfield. And uh, you did mention the name of the person that I'm nominating for my Foxy's Man of the Match. I was actually going to go with Jordan Gibson. I feel like he was unlucky not to get on the score sheet with what happened with with his first... He got munched. (laughs) Yeah, just a bit bit unlucky on the day. And uh, just the the sheer passing ability, the ball through, uh, you don't don't get to see it that often in League 2. He puts in some good tackles and he put in some good tackles against Doncaster Gibson he'll kind of win the ball high up the pitch that's another thing as well is, is dynamic running as well Like he's somebody that can definitely transfer the ball from his side of the pitch to their side of the pitch and, and there'll be options for you and for him to be able to play down channels and yeah I just think you know he's really sort of coming into his, his own at the moment in that midfield free he, he offers something quite different as a Callum guy and, and Owen Moxon seems to be the sort of like the stability in the midfield and Gibson gets to be able to be that really free creative force and, and go either side of the strikers or in behind or even in front on occasion and or run out wide. You know, I just I just like the role that he's playing. I think he likes the role that he's playing in. And I think he just had a really good game on that day. And he really got to show like his footballing ability in terms of like the way you can pass, the way you can shoot, the way you can arrive in the box and just sort of get on the end of things. And yeah, you know, I just think he had a really good all-round game and he stood out for me as being the best guy in that midfield on the day. Looking ahead to the next game, it's Leighton Orient, it's at home. And uh, the second in the league, I think. I mean, they're quite high up the league. They're doing well. They've just drawn against third in the league, Northampton. We're pushing, you know, we're doing well. We're unbeaten in nine, I believe. Uh, things are going incredibly well for Carlisle United under Paul Simpson. Playing at home, you'd imagine it's going to be a really good crowd once again. They're going to get behind this sort of playoff push before the weather starts getting too cold and nasty. And uh, I'm going to go first with my prediction. I'm going to say Carlisle United are going to win two goals to one. Will. What are you going to predict? I was going to go 2 1 as well. Um, yeah. They've scored a lot of goals late in Orient, but it's just started uh, the last couple of games started to go off the boil a bit. Um, still be a decent team, but I think now is probably a good time for us to be playing them, especially at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, same. Liam? Make it a hat trick. I'll say 2 1 as well. <laughs> Yeah, it just feels like it's written in the stars, doesn't it? Hopefully, Carlisle's form is going to continue going into the weekend against Lake Norient. And uh, there's only one thing left to do, really, gentlemen, and that's to finish things off with our On This Day segment. And I, I will be putting you on the spot, but it's a little bit more fun uh, than usual because this article really, uh, this entry into the journal really caught my eye. On This Day in 1997, Bordeaux midfielder Laurent Crochet appeared from nowhere to make his one and only appearance for the club in a 2-0 Division 2 home defeat against Preston North End. After playing his part in a very positive press call on the day of his arrival, he then left the club very early the following week. Now, that was just a bit of a weird entry in the diary that stood out for me, lads. And uh, basically, the question is, 
this week, and I'll kick you with Liam, because Will doesn't like being put on the spot quite as much. So we'll kick off with <laughs> Liam. Cheers. From your memory, <laughs> what's the weirdest transfer you remember surrounding Carlisle United? Um, right, okay. Um, does it have to be to Carlisle, or can we, can we, can we go on out of Carlisle? Oh, I like that twist. Go on then. Because it's not even a player, it's a coach. There was a an ex-Carlisle coach that went and managed in India and then just like won the league with India. Not not with, with, with a team in India, not so long ago. That's the most bizarre I can remember anyways. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I like that. Will, what have you got? Um, so I think there's been a few players that just sort of like signed and did nothing. And I'm trying to remember Junior Joachim, who we there was we were short on strikers and the crowd the fans crowdfunded a signing. <laughs> and I think it was when Curl was the manager and he went out and brought in uh, Junior, is it Junior? Was it Junior Joachim? Was that his surname? Or, but um, it was it, it was a it was a guy we'd had on trial, an unsuccessful trial at the start, and he he just came in and did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the one that kind of blew my mind a bit was Pascal Chimbonda. You know, I just never. Oh, just never in ex- terms of like the. Yeah, the yeah. far-fetched. I just wouldn't expect that name in the Carlisle shirt. I just, uh, just really <laughs> sort of came out of left field for me. I thought that was a, a really fun transfer. Ah. That kind so of like... Th- yeah. That was a I weird th- one. That was a I weird one. see what one. question you were asking now. <laughs> ah, right, OK. Would, would you change your answer, would you? Uh, well, I can't really kind of think about another one now. Um, but was, <laughs> do you remember Alessio Bunyo? Alessio kind of Bunyo. Out, yeah, left back out of Serie A. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. <laughs> a bit random, yeah, a bit random, yeah. definitely a bit random. Right, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring the podcast back this week, looking ahead to the late Norian game. We're all thinking it's going to be a 2-1 victory to the Cumbrians, and I think that's a really nice way to wrap things up for this. This has been episode 86 of the Blue Army podcast, and there's nothing else really left for us to do, apart from say... Bye for now. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye for now. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.